Welcome to Aligned Attraction, the go-to intimacy podcast for powerful women. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Lee Noto, master intimacy coach and psychedelic therapist, and I help powerful women like you unleash your wild feminine power so you can create heart-throbbing love. Each week, you'll hear from me and other experts on love, sex, and relationships, and I'll also coach women like you to create the most delicious transformation in their love lives. You ready? Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Way of the High Priestess. I have friend and colleague here with me, Adam Moskowitz, and Adam is an educator, a writer, a dancer, which I didn't know, a food snob, and a morning person. He's a practitioner of Vipassana Insight Meditation and has shared mindfulness with youth and adults throughout the last decade. He's a mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher and has trained extensively with the Center for Mindfulness based at the UMass Medical Center in Boston, Massachusetts. He's also a consulting teacher with Stress Care, a longstanding nonprofit organization serving medical communities in the Bay Area since 1996. Adam has created a school-wide mindfulness program in 2012, and he served over 1,000 Bay Area students and their teachers. He offers services to organizations, schools, companies, and individuals, and his teaching emphasizes a gentle, compassionate approach, cultivating an embodied attention that safely supports individuals to inhabit the present moment. Wow. Welcome, Adam. I'm so, so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for including me in your in your community of listeners and your day. I'm grateful. Yeah. I was just saying to Adam before we hit record that there's something about his presence that as soon as we hop onto a call or a Zoom meeting, I immediately feel grounded. I literally, right before this call, I was about to burst out into tears about something that had happened. And as soon as I felt Adam's presence, I just immediately dropped in. There was like this fundamental sense of okayness that I could feel in my body. So there's something within you, Adam, that you've cultivated over your time of practice and something that you teach others to do. So I want to start there. How do you describe the work that you do? Like, What is the true essence or the one thing, if you could boil it down to that, that you help others learn to do or to be? Mm. <laughs> um, well, it's funny because I, I think that, you know, a lot of, a lot of people have, they might have a, a view of, of a mindfulness teacher or a meditator as being somebody who's, who's just really calm or, you know, expressing peace all the time or whatnot. There might be these ideas about these things, but internally my experience is everything but that <laughs> you know it's almost like i you know i've at one point in my life i discovered that i didn't have any option other than to begin to pay attention to the incredible um sort of difficult texture of my internal experience that i was having that i had essentially been ignoring for a couple of decades of my life and it all kind of hit me at once and i realized that there was there was so much um so much I don't know what the word is, content or just experience that um, was there 
that wanted to be noticed and wanted to be seen. And so I began to, to turn towards different modalities of healing and, and the Dharma became kind of the, the biggest one for me and um, sort of maybe where I turned to the most. And, and um, I, you know, I, I, I think it's just in some ways, it's, it's the hardest thing in the world, but it's also quite simple in the sense of just like, there is something always happening in the present moment. And how I begin to develop a, a loving relationship to that really matters to me. Because I, I think at one point I started to notice that whether or not I could have a loving relationship with what's happening in the present moment in my own life and my own, my own physical body could become a gift to somebody else. So I, I started, at, I started to, to maybe notice that a little bit more with initially when I was working with youth. So I was, I was a teacher, a school teacher for 10 years. And um, I don't think it was until like year five <laughs> that I realized that there was like how I am in relationship to what's arising in my nervous system can um, really support or not support a whole group of kids that, 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 are, in, that are in the classroom. Um, so I, I think I just care a lot about that. I, I, I think that, you know, I just, I, I very much, it matters to me a lot about being attuned to, to what I'm experiencing and to be able to kind of hold it in, in an atmosphere of, of safety. And, um, and I think that that can kind of be sometimes like, like a transmission, right? So like, I always thought to myself, like, at the end of being a teacher for 10 years in schools, I was like, I don't really care if kids even know what the word mindfulness means. I just care about whether, you know, my, whether how, how I am in this moment is supporting them or not. Mm. It's fascinating because every time you speak, I feel like I'm put into a trance. There's something, again, that I, I follow your words perfectly. I get what you're saying, but there is a transmission. There's something about the way you're saying the words that creates a sense of presence and calmness in me. Mm. And I think what you're talking about is like the plight of all humanity, this fundamental discomfort with what's happening inside of us in the present moment. And so in your experience, why is that? Why is it so uncomfortable for us to be here now? Because I've seen myself turn to all sorts of vices and dysfunction to escape what's happening right now, because sometimes it is so mm. unbearably mm -hmm. uncomfortable. So mm. what, what is it that's happening for us? Because I, I definitely want to talk about how we can relate to the present moment differently, but why is it that we have such a hard time doing that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think in some ways um, we can put down the burden of even trying to fix that, right? Like, so, so the experience of always wanting to get out of the present moment, right? There, there's, there's always, in some way, the mind is always kind of trying to fidget 
and, and make things go a certain way. Or, you know, we're, we're often trying to, um, how do I say it? Like arrive at some, some finish line, right? Like we have some idea, we have some, some perfect image of where we're supposed to deliver ourselves or, you know, what, what life is supposed to deliver us and, and then we'll be happy. Right. But, but if we, I think if we, if we begin to pay attention to the mechanism in our conditioning in the mind, it's almost like we're kind of just carrying around that mechanism with us all the time. And so, and so that is a habit that gets strengthened and it, it's challenging to, um, to work with that, but at the same time, we have to love that too, right? Like if that's what's happening in the now, <laughs> then let's get cozy with that feeling or let's get cozy with that, that sensation of not being okay with the now. What is that like? And why is it like that? I mean, I have no idea. I mean, I imagine there must be um, a long list of reasons. I think it's, it's in our DNA. I think it's in our lineage. It's in our ancestry. It's in our, our mechanism of survival. It's certainly based on whatever, uh, whatever ways we were made to feel like we're not quite enough when we're young. Um, and, and, and so, so, so one, one of the other reasons we can, we can learn to love that a little bit more is because that conditioning is in place for our protection, right? Like that, isn't that the reason <laughs> it's like, it's like, that's all just like trying to get us to be happy. <laughs> and so it's like, Oh, okay. You know, um, So I think, um, yeah, I, I think I think that that's something we can. I don't know. It's like it's like that can be our path. Yeah, that getting cozy with the uncomfortable. Something you know, I went through this this morning. I was sitting in one of the chairs in our office and. Ani and I were talking and he was, he was lovingly calling me out for something. And I just wanted to eject out of there so fast. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't want to talk about this right now. He's like, mm -hmm. no, 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 this is your mechanism. Yeah. And he, he wouldn't let me go. And I, I could feel it. There's like this sensation in my body that I don't even know how to describe it. It's so abrupt that just wants to push away. Yeah. push everyone and everything away because what I think happens is this, these, this insane amount of shame, mm. like shame for how I'm feeling and the experience I've created. And the fact that I've, I've used this mechanism over and over and over again, particularly to escape the present moment. And I know we all have our vices and mechanisms that we utilize. So for those who are navigating their path with, you know, trying to understand their own inner terrain and they're, they're seeing this mechanism, they're escaping out or they're using excuses or pushing people away or projecting anger either back onto themselves or others. What would you recommend as someone who's deeply studied and practiced in this work as a, a practical means to start to create that coziness, as you say, with the discomfort, what would that look like in practice for someone? 
Mm, yeah. It's funny, as you were describing, you know, when you were saying like for people that do those things, like I basically, I was like, oh, I'm one of those people. <laughs> it's like, I feel like you're describing me, right? And we're all kind of, I think, on that path of learning to kind of nurture all the the, the layers of our of our being and discover the parts of us that are so um, resistant to um, to just kind of sitting with ourselves. And I don't know that you know there was a interesting thing that somebody said in a, a group that I was with the other day where yeah I think the person was kind of like not was sort of resistant to, to stillness, right? And I completely understand that. And I have a lot of, a lot of empathy for that. But I think part of the reason that, 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 that a lot of people feel that way is because this word stillness has been maybe misunderstood. Sometimes people think that we have to go forcefully into our experience in order to heal it. I think sometimes people think like we have to kind of use this like laser beam of healing. <laughs> it's like, I'm just going to like be with this, right? Like sitting in the fire is often like a phrase that's used to describe meditation or mindfulness. And th there is some truth to that, but I, I like to, um, to think about stillness as being more of a byproduct of really just being with, with, with the way things are, even if there's a lot of movement. So if there's a lot of a lot of agitation, it's like we can actually begin to observe what that's like. It's almost like, like, like if there's a lot of resistance, we can begin to, we don't have to try to bypass the resistance and get to the problem. There is no problem. <laughs> there is, there's, there's just the resistance that's there. And we can sort of begin to uh, have that be the thing. You know, it's like, it's almost like the doorway is never what we want it to be, or the doorway is never what we expect it to be. There's always like some, I think there's always some aspect of the here and now that we're, we're often kind of, kind of dancing around because <laughs> it's hard to see it. And we think that being present means I don't know. We think it means like being relaxed or something. Interesting. There were a few things you said in there that like struck a chord with me. And one of them was, is like, we're trying to get through the resistance to get to the problem when there is no problem. And then there was something else that you said, if I can remember it, which was just this, this different idea of stillness. We think that stillness is, you know, just being relaxed all the time. And I, I'm totally paraphrasing, but there's something there. There's something like what else is in there? Because for me, I have found a, I have found it to be very challenging to slow down and to become still. Mm -hmm. What it feels like for me is that there's constantly something I'm either running away from or running toward, mm -hmm. but there's never, I, I say never, there's rarely ever a moment where I'm like, ah, wow, does it feel good to be here right, right. now? Mm -hmm. I, I rarely have those moments. Right. So it's like, what if the running was the doorway? 
the running is the thing that's that's true and the, the running is the thing that's arising and so it, instead of trying to stop running can we begin to reorient to what it's like to run mm-hmm. can 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 the 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 awareness accompany the running and so the, can, can the running not even be a problem? The mind makes it a problem. Yeah. It's really good at that. <laughs> it's really good at making problems. <laughs> it, it really is. You know, you say that, can we reorient? Can I reorient to the running and be with that? And I just... I almost hesitate to say that I feel tears in my eyes because I feel like if I say that, I'm just going to burst open. Mm. And there's a part of me that was laying on the ground this morning and is like, and I think it was taking into account this running that I've been doing. And my orientation to it was, I'm so tired. Mm. Like I'm so utterly tired and burnt out and exhausted. That's how I've been feeling these past few weeks. And this is not new to me. I've done this many times. And there's, as I orient to that, there's a deep sadness. And I, I was being with the sadness. There's sadness, there's anger, there's this feeling of self-betrayal. And for some reason that doesn't feel okay. There's then a layer of punishment for betraying myself. And what I can feel underneath that is this deep longing. Like there's a longing I've had for as long as I can remember that will come up when I get to this place of just being worn down. That tells me that I I yearn to connect so deeply to my womanhood. There's a depth in there, like the depth of my emotion, the depth of my intuition and and pure power. And I'm not able to do that when I'm constantly running. It's like, I know myself at a very surface level on most days. And I'm just, I'm curious to hear what your perspective is on that. Because one of the things we talked about was cultivating a sense of kindness. One of the things you mentioned in the form before coming on the episode and I feel like that's something that's been sorely lacking for me, this kindness and just generosity with myself. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one of my teachers, I, I can't remember exactly the way she describes it, but when, when the way that you're describing just the the longing and how you're kind of like, it sounds as almost as if like the longing is becoming more and more apparent to you. And that longing is not new, right? It's like, it's always been there, but now it's starting to get recognized by you. And because of that, there's almost like this sense of just, just all the, the, the kind of, the kind of messiness, right? Because there's, it's like there's this block, right? There's this, this stuff that like blocks us from our truth or um, 
but but the thing that my that my teacher once said was just like this is actually kind of a good place to be because there's this sense of we want to get humbled you know there's this sense of like where else could we really begin until we've really seen everything that's preventing us from being so connected to our deepest self? And there's this, um, gosh, I love this. There's like this roomy line where he's like, it's not your job to seek love. It's your job to, to find all the ways you've guarded against it. And I, I love that so much because I, I think it really points towards the way that we're, especially now, like in the modern culture and in the Western society where, you know, there, there's so many things we can do, right? There's like this kind of spiritual shopping mall situation that we have, right? And there, there's so many things that we want to try. And we want to kind of invite all these states or experiences into our lives but in some ways there's also so, so much truth to the idea that like what if it just has to do with becoming more familiar with the, the terrain and the armor and all that has kind of um, I don't know kept us away from from our, our I don't even know from from our our us <laughs> there's something that feels so warm in that because I, the impression that I've had for such a long time is how do I get rid of the armor? Mm -hmm. How do I get rid of the things that create what I perceive as problems? And there's a, almost a disowning of parts of my very intelligent system, the, the part of me that wants to protect myself. Mm. And I think it's really just been you know, I guess, you know, an innocent mistake to, to think that the way through isn't just being with the armor, creating intimacy with the armor, creating intimacy or getting to know the running mm -hmm. or getting to know the part of me that distracts and makes excuses because there's, um, I guess in my mind, there's been this like inherent separation between those things and me or who I think I am. And if I think that I am any of those things, then it, it somewhere makes me less worthy or less of a person to have defense mechanisms or to have excuses or things that I employ that, that keep me safe and protected. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I think that we can also um, sort of learn to let go of knowing what we're working with. You know, we can we can learn to let go of even knowing what the story is, or knowing what caused the situation, knowing why these patterns come into existence. We can even you know forget um, the labels and the words and the language that we have about all these things. And we can, I don't know, almost like start to ad adopt a, um, 
an attitude of just, I don't really know what this is, but I'm going to be with it in this moment. I don't even have to want to know what this is, but I'm gonna be with it in this moment because there's, there's almost like this, what happens if I trust right now without knowing where this is gonna go? Mm. Wow. Because I, I think that there's like a part of the mind that thinks that whatever's happening is gonna really mess us up. Oh yeah. You know, it's like whatever this is, is gonna take us down. But it's funny because how many times do we have to learn the same lesson again and again, right? It, it, it always does the opposite. It's always like a rebirth experience, right? Yeah. Like, the, like, like something arises that is so incredibly uncomfortable. But that word uncomfortable or the idea of discomfort is not the same as the word incorrect, right? It's not like, it's, it's not... It doesn't have to mean the same thing, but I think our, our relative mind is so good at sort of convincing us that when things are uncomfortable, it shouldn't be there. Mm. Mm. And the track record is unbelievably bad <laughs> in terms of it being right. You know, it's like, it's always the thing that should be there. Anything that, 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 that is there is there because we're ready to hold it in awareness, I think. Mm. Hmm. I mean, I'm not sure, but I, 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 that's what I've come to believe. And yeah. like, th there's a sense of like, things kind of getting more tricky along the way or, or more um, difficult to hold. But the reason why they're more difficult to hold is because in some ways we've built up a certain amount of resource to be able to hold it. Yeah. Hmm. So I'm, there's, I, I feel like I'm receiving so much medicine in this conversation alone. What I'm hearing is, you know, and I know this in my personal experience that I've had this seeming need to define everything and to label everything and to know psychologically where it came from. And was it a mother wound? And did it happen when I was three? And now I'm this way. And there's some odd comfort in knowing those things. Yes. And what you're pointing to is something not that, which is can we just be with what's here without knowing the origin of it or the path that it took to come into our awareness? And can we just be here and trust that maybe we're not going to fall to our demise if we actually just be with what feels uncomfortable? Mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think all emotions have words, right? But the words are just kind of pointing towards the raw experience of them right? Like there, there's kind of like a physiology of anger or anxiety. That's very real. That's more real than the word. If we tune into it, I think. And um, it's funny. I, I mean, in my experience, I think that the clarity of like, what are the causes and conditions for this behavior? What are the causes and conditions for this pattern? What are the causes and conditions for this feeling I'm having? In my experience, when I when I let go of trying to figure it out, 
the reality of the causes and conditions actually appears a little bit more clearly. So it's not that like, it's not that the reasons are not important, but I think that the, the, the reasons can often um, emerge when we stop trying to look for them, when we stop prioritizing them. And, and when we really um, take a look at like, what is the energetic intention? What, what is the, what am I going for? You know, when I'm trying to find that out. And is yeah. there something that is actually real right now that could also use some, uh, some, some soft attention, kind, mm. kind attention, kindness? I think that's such a a profound question to ask. And that segues perfectly into what I want to ask you next, which is where's the first place people can begin? Because right? there's so many, so there's like, you know, we have spiritual shopping malls, like you can do this modality and read that book. And, you know, it can seem overwhelming sometimes, but if someone were to just self-resource and, not follow any particular path. What is, you know, one or two things that people can remember, either a guiding question or perhaps some sort of practice, I don't know, uh, that can start to just loosen the tight grip that so many of us have around ourselves and our identities Mm -hmm. and all the things we think we need to be creating and living up to in this lifetime. Yeah. Um, gosh, I'm always, I always struggle to get really practical, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I, I think that I, and, and you can tell me if this is not answering your question, but I, I just think we need to be with each other. I think we need to be in community and in a way where it's not like we're in transit, you know, we're not, catching up and then moving on and then talking about the next time we're going to catch up and move on and doing that forever and creating, you know, real spaces for us to just sit together and be together and know that there's, there's kind of a contract there. It's like, that's, that's the point. Like, that's what we're doing. It's like, I'm going to, we're all going to kind of sit together and, um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go inward, and you're gonna go inward, and we're gonna, <laughs> we're just gonna do that. And um, uh, but I mean, I think we want. I think what's being asked right now is that we are collectively starving for simplicity. That's what that, I think that that's something. I think, I think that's like one (laughs) out of like three things (laughs) that like we're really starving for. And I don't think we understand necessarily that we're starving for that. You know, I I am very lucky in the sense that my neighbor has taught me how to garden. We have a garden that we share. And I noticed that when I go out there and I just start shoveling compost, it's really weird. The weirdest thing happens. Like something serious wakes up in me, right? But I could be feeling like crap for eight hours before that happens. And I'm not even really sure what the problem is, right? And then it's like, I go out there and it's like, oh, there's this connection that I didn't know 
was not being nourished. And so there's this simplicity, there's, there's this just, you know, and, and, and wanting to, I don't know, just question what happiness is really. Yeah. If it's not, you know, like, I just think we have to notice, we have to notice all the ways in which we're constantly running around and running away from uh, the everyday, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, it's like, why can't it be sacred to do your dishes? Mm -hmm. Maybe that word doesn't work, but why, why can't it be part of your day? Right. Why can't that day be, um, included in everything that matters yeah and you know i I think it's a challenge because we have so much intellect and the intellect tries to do the healing Mm -hmm. even in you know this is what happens all the time with meditation it's like we we come into meditation and the mind is, is kind of trying to get it done, you know, or, or maybe it's like a checklist or something. And then we move on to the next thing. Yeah. I, you're speaking to me deeply. I, I was literally in my kitchen this morning, just thinking, I can't wait till I get to the moment that I can pay someone to just do the dishes and clean the house and <laughs> like, all the things. I'm like, I just need people to do this so that I can do blank, be in my zone of genius or, you know, do something else or not yeah. be here. And it, it, the feeling that I have inside is that there's something that is so simple that's hiding in plain sight. That's like right in front of my face. And I just keep glancing past it. And it's that simple truth. Like, why can't all of these things be a part of my day and be a, a meaningful experience? Even if the meaning is that there is no inherent meaning. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've been rushing beyond all of the, the things that I perceive to be mundane and useless and without utility so that I can do all the big and important things and just the mere act of seeing stress in the everyday stuff is creating the stress where there is no actual stress. Mm-hmm. And I, I just through this conversation, am feeling that pull towards simplicity. Like as you were talking about the garden, I'm like, man, you know, to be in a place right now where I get to dig my hands into the dirt and be be with the earth and be in the simplicity. And I thought California immediately, but then I'm like, why couldn't that be anywhere I am? Why would that, why would I have to go somewhere for that? That doesn't solve mm-hmm. anything because I'm still running in my mind. I'm still running away or running towards something. Mm-hmm. And so something I've been really longing for because we're staying in a long-term Airbnb. This is not our home home, at least how it feels in my body. 
is being here now and the things that I would do in what I would consider my home, buying plants, buying organizational units to, you know, create the aesthetic that I want. Or some, some of the things are very trivial. I'm like, why have I been waiting over a year to do that? I'm waiting for some uncertain future to fulfill on the things that would feel good for me right now. Mm-hmm. And I've been putting them off. And so this call back to simplicity, like it's a very simple move to buy a, you know, a spice organizer. The spices are everywhere on the shelf, yeah. you know, but it's, it's just that, that trivial example. That's so profound, you know, we can have a simplicity right now. We can create stillness right now. And it's not dependent upon our external circumstances, which I, I wait for things to be quote unquote perfect all the time before I can be happy. Mm-hmm. And that's just, I'm going to be waiting forever, mm-hmm. you know? So this has really highlighted that for me in a new way. And I'm grateful. It's a beautiful description. You know, I think it's so universal and I mean, it's like this project of repairing, right? Repairing our relationship to the here and now, right? The, the only place that, I think it was John Kabat-Zinn, it's like the, the here and now is the only place where love and growth is possible, right? It's like, there's almost like this way in which the mind thinks it's gonna think its way into the future. But it, it, I think we so often forget <clears throat> what is the future if it's not in relationship to this? What is the future if it's not in relationship to my, my current attention, my current willingness to inhabit things as they are now? Yeah. I I could sit here and talk to you for hours. Like I really could. We're we'll definitely do this again for sure. Adam, I want to thank you so much for everything you shared. And I know that this is going to find its way to the exact right people. But what I can say for myself right now is that I I am so grateful to have received this transmission because the state of my being before this recording was in absolute disarray. Just, I, I, you know, don't even want to label it, but there, I've, I feel like a new sense of life has been breathed into me through our conversation. And that is so powerful. That is so powerful. Can you tell listeners where to find you, how they can work with you? And I'm, I really want to tune into this too, because I want to attend your meditations, but tell us all the ways that people can stay connected to you and to these teachings. Sure. And, and thank you so much. I mean, this has been so wonderful. It's wonderful to speak with you. Thank you for including me in your, your podcast. Um, so yeah, I mean, I do teach meditation, but it's also, that's kind of just one part of it. It's really just like, um, you know, we get together and we, we talk and we meditate and see what that's like. And sometimes there's a lot of reflection and stuff like that. 
And um, I, I don't really have social media, but I do have a website and you could go to it. It's, there's no numbers, just all letters, onemindful.com. So O-N-E mindful.com. And then if you want to stay in touch, you could sign up for the email list on that website. Just scroll down and, and sign up. And I send emails out usually about twice a month. Beautiful. Are there any parting words, anything that I haven't asked about or any words of wisdom that if you could just share one thing you would love for people to know, what would that be? Oh, um, just how thankful I am for you, for you to listen. (laughs) This is the, um, never done a podcast before. And so it's wonderful to know that there are people listening that I've never met. So, so much gratitude for that. That's all. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I I would not have known that you've never been on a podcast before because the presence and the, the beingness that you bring is truly remarkable. So thank you so much. And for those listening, all of Adam's information will be in the show notes. I really invite you to reach out to him, attend his meditations, learn more and uh, stay tuned in. To everyone who's listening, I'm wishing you all much love and good vibes, and I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to the show. And spread the love by sharing this episode out on social media and to all the powerful women in your life. And if you're ready to play full out and create heart-throbbing love, Hop on over to my website to see all the juicy ways you can do just that. www.leenoto.com Fellow wild woman, I appreciate you. Until next time, I'm sending you so much love and all the good vibes.